Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey, welcome back. Where would silver and gold be trading today if we were told the truth about the true rate of inflation? That's what I want to talk about today. And I think this is really important for for two different reasons as it relates to silver and gold. I'll start off by saying this, though. In the whole scheme of things, yes, uh, true rate inflation would be important for, for a more true value of silver and gold. But it goes much, much deeper than that. I mean, in short, we as a population, and this is hardly specific to the United States, I think it's, it's the true for just about every developed country on the world, are consistently lied to, misinformed about the true rate of inflation. And that distorts our reality, distorts our economic reality. And, and it, at the end of the day, leaves us with problems that we don't have a good answer to because we, we aren't getting accurate data on the true rate of inflation. Right, But as it relates to silver and gold, this is important for, I think, two major reasons. First of all, uh, silver and gold are, are well known as hedges. And, and of all the different things that can hedge against, whether it's risk or volatility or, or other assets uh, falling in value, uh, they're maybe most well known for their hedge against inflation, especially higher rates of inflation, borderline hyperinflation. Uh, silver and gold are, are excellent hedges. They've been proven to be just that. Over the decades, over the centuries, over the millennia, silver and gold have been money for thousands of years, and, and they've maintained their value. In many ways, they are a store of value, a store of energy, much the same way that, that oil is a store of energy. Now, in the case of oil, there's a certain amount of, of uh, uh, energy, uh, uh, manpower, equipment, capital that went into extracting that oil, and, and even then it still holds a certain amount of energy in the form of, of molecular bonds that are ultimately broken, and, and that's how we power our cars or, or uh, power plants or what have you. In the case of silver and gold, it's, it's similar, except we're obviously not splitting those, those atomic bonds, but there is that input of, of energy, manpower, and fossil fuels or electricity and uh, the, the capital that went into buying the different equipment and exploring for the silver and gold. And, and that, in many ways, is what they represent, a store of energy that serves as a hedge against inflation. So uh, the dollar or fiat currency, they don't store energy. Um, they're, they're nothing more than a, a piece of, of paper with maybe some other things mixed in, cotton and whatever else. But, but that's about it. Uh, they, they have value because we, we give them value because governments deem them as legal tender uh, because governments force us to, to pay our taxes in those fiat currencies. Uh, but, but they're really nothing else than that. I mean, they're, 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 um, they're paper, they're fiat, right? They, they have no intrinsic value, whereas silver and gold in many ways are representation of real energy input into the extraction and the refining of, of said metal. So yes, that's the big reason why I think an accurate inflation number is important for silver and gold. But the other one, which is maybe even more important over the kind of shorter term, is how that influences investors and, and their perception of, 
of, uh, of money, of, of interest rates. Honestly, I think that's maybe the biggest part of this all, of, of interest rates, uh, the, the cost of money. Um, and I'll give you this example. You know, earlier this year, there, there was a time in, I'd say, the third quarter of 2019 in which the, the amount of negative yielding global debt, mostly government debt, probably a bit of corporate debt in there as well, peaked out around, I want to say, north of $17 trillion. $17 trillion worth of debt in which the yield was negative, meaning that you're buying this bond. None of this this debt, I don't think, was issued at a negative yield, but you're buying a bond at a negative yield. Maybe some of the the government debt was, actually. I forget. It most likely was. Maybe not the corporate debt, actually. Just the government debt was. But uh, you're buying this bond at a specific yield, uh, at a specific price, and you're going to be paid less in, in the future when it ultimately matures. It makes no sense. And, and that was a big part of why gold and silver, silver had, there's other reasons too, but it was a big part of why silver and gold rallied so much in 2019. I mean, when, when you're comparing, you know, when you're looking for a safe haven asset, I think many investors default to uh, either cash or, or treasuries. Because treasuries offer that that yield that that cash does not, or other uh, safe and and low interest yielding assets. But with that influx, or not influx, but with that ballooning of negative yielding debt, that drove many investors to precious metals. Because one of the big uh, big criticisms of precious metals over the years has been that well, it doesn't have a yield, doesn't have a dividend, it just sits there. Well. Something that just sits there is by default better than an, an asset that is doing <laughs> less than that. You're actually losing value through that yield. Plus, you have to worry about a, a default on those, those payments. Right? There's, there's a certain risk that is inherent in these so-called safe haven assets. Right, and so the the problem with this, okay, is is today that number is I think north of eleven trillion. It's come down a fair bit of, of negative yielding debt, and yet when you look at the rate of inflation, which uh, according to to U.S. Uh, we'll, we'll we'll stick with the dollar U.S. dollar for the time being, the current rate of inflation in the United States is one point I want to say one point six percent according to the PCE, which is what the uh, Federal Reserve uses, uh, the CPI is 2.2%. Okay, so to put that in perspective, if we use that, say, 2.2%, the higher number, uh, that means that basically the entire, almost the entire U.S. yield curve is negative yielding. I don't know what the 30 years at or what the 10 years at right now, but for, for all intents and purposes, the entire U.S. yield curve is negative yielding in real terms because inflation matters when it comes to all this right but but and the same is true i should say for any of those uh euro denominated bonds or yen or or yuan or whatever a pound uh denominated bonds that may be a positive nominal yield but when you take into account inflation they would actually be negative inflation's important and so again that that plays into this silver and gold picture right the fact that so much is negative yielding in both real terms and in nominal terms uh, has pushed a fair bit of investors to precious metals. But imagine how much larger that would be, that, that influx into precious metals, if the, the true inflation rate was actually uh, discussed and actually reported. 
And that's what I want to take some time to dive into here for a couple minutes here. And I'll start off with this article. It was actually uh, originally posted over on, I shouldn't say originally, but shared over on Zurahead, just titled, Is Inflation Really Under Control? It's written by Patrick Hill from realinvestmentadvice.com. And, and he basically tears apart this official, these official inflation numbers computed by the BLS, that's the Bureau of Labor Statistics, um, which, again, as I said, you know, current CPI uh, puts it at, what did I say, 2.2%. 2.2%. That's what the, the official number is for CPI. And yet, if you look at a whole bunch of other measures of inflation, you find out that that's one of the lower estimates you could use. I mean, PCE, which I'll get to here in a little bit, is even lower. But CPI, if you look at the median level of CPI, which which uh, is where you take yeah, the median, right? You you exclude the assets or, or the um, goods that showed huge or very little price change. Uh, when you look at the median CPI, it's at 10-year highs, just shy of three point six, uh, just shy of three percent, three two point nine six percent, quite a bit higher than two point two percent, right? And and that might sound small, half a percentage point, but when you're compounding this, or, or 0.8 actually, we're talking about almost uh, 0.8 percentage points. Uh, when you compound that year over year, and and the official numbers are consistently low, which I believe they are, that distorts markets hugely. Plus, when we're talking about negative yielding debt, if, if real inflation was actually reported, let's say it's for, for just for kicks here, 3%, yeah, the whole U.S. yield curve's inverted, right? There's a ton of other debt that is much, much closer to zero. I mean, that, that basically cuts the amount of money, if you're an investor, that you're making on, <clears throat> on uh, any investment, any yielding asset, even stocks, right? The yield that you get from stocks looks less attractive the higher inflation is. But that's just one measure. Another measure that they, they use here, that one was uh, from, I'd have to look here, uh, Gavicle Data and Macro Bond. Okay, the next one here is actually from Bloomberg showing uh, the, the change in prices at uh, Walmart and Target, which uh, actually were pretty steady, just maybe at point slightly negative, dating back to uh, you know the, the second half of 2018, uh, August and October of then. But beginning in December of, of 2018, you start to see those prices rise on a year-over-year basis to about 2 2 to 3%. February, all the way up at 4%. Um, and even by mid-summer, we're looking at uh, 4 to 5% rise year-over-year at Walmart and Target. And, and that's, I mean, what, what are you buying at Walmart and Target? You're buying um, food, uh, clothes, and whatever for me, it's you know diapers and and baby wipes and and formula uh, for for my for my daughters and 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 whatever else you know electronics and TVs and all, you you buy you can get most of what you need to survive at those two places, with the exception of some of these other things like healthcare, housing, etc., which I'll get to here in a second. Five percent though year over year, not reflected in the CPI though, which is at two point two percent. Nor is it reflected in the PCE, which is at, uh, you know, what did I say, 1.6%. Another good measure is rent, uh, CPI regular rent, month-over-month month, uh, inflation. This isn't year-over-year, month-over-month. So there's fluctuations. <coughs> but if you look at, at the, uh, the mean, I guess, the, maybe the rolling average, 
it's roughly around 0.3% month over month. Annualized, uh, we're we're talking a uh, 0.3 times 12 is 3.6% for rent. And yet some of the most recent measurements are closer to 0.4 or 0.45%, which annualizes is 5.4% inflation for rent. Okay. Uh, And that one was, um, I don't know where that one was from. Exactly. Sober look, looks like that data. I just want to be, you know, cite all my stuff here. This one's from Deutsche Bank, some data here, uh, going back to the year 2000 and looking at the inflation. And and we'll start off with CPI. The official CPI inflator (coughs) shows basically they're indexing this at 100. So 2000 is 100. Uh, By uh, 2019, we're looking at the official CPI showing a rise of about 145. So 45% inflation, according to official CPI over the last 18 or 19 years. If you look at housing, though, which is a huge amount of the average person's um, budget month to month, we're looking at inflation of about 60%, right? That index is about 160, 18 or 19 years later. If you're looking at the average hourly earnings, which is important, but again, um, outpacing the official CPI number, but probably uh, um, still not keeping pace with the actual real inflation number. Again, around 160, 163, somewhere in that ballpark. So 63% inflation over that time period. Uh, medical care, um, thanks to, uh, you know, I, I don't want to say thanks Obama, but that's a big, big part of it. But uh, medical care. Um, since 2000 has inflated, uh, it's almost doubled in price. And, and even that I think is probably inaccurate because there's a lot of other people that would say, no, it's, it's more than doubled for me in the last almost two decades. Okay. And then there's education, you know, primarily probably, uh, <coughs> higher level education, college and whatnot. We're looking at index at about 230, right? So 130% inflation, right? Over that time span. 130% inflation over two decades. And yet the official CPI number has it at 145, right? It almost seems like the government is consistently picking the lowest number to re- be representative of what inflation is, the lowest uh, possible number that they can find. Uh, another good example of this rising inflation, which is, is a little bit more recent and, and more related to some recent events would be uh, the, the tariffs, the, the, the influence that tariffs and the trade war have had on inflation here in the United States. In fact, uh, and again, I don't know, this is from Sober Look, once again, this data. If, if you separate out uh, CPI, all the different goods that they have, and you separate them out, you have all the other core goods in the CPI. If you look over the last year, it's fairly even in terms of of where the prices have been. But if you look at those that are most impacted by tariffs, these are nine different categories, you see much, much higher inflation over the last uh, uh, year, year and a half, right? Much, much higher than those other goods. And again, not hugely reflected in the CPI number. It's been rising, but, but still is vastly underestimating, right? So why is this that the BLS is consistently low in their estimation of inflation. Well, I can give you their motive here in a minute, but it's funny actually, uh, the uh, Forbes actually back in the day, a Forbes reporter asked the BLS, the Bureau of Labor Statistics, um, how do you come up with these numbers? Could you give us the data that you're using 
to crunch these numbers, right? Why is there such a discrepancy here when, when in this case, as Patrick Hill is, is estimating inflation probably closer to 5%, but you guys are saying 2.2% for your CPI, right? That would be similar to what this reporter would be saying. BLS said no. You can't have the data. And the reasoning for it was that they didn't want government or they didn't want companies to <coughs> easily compare prices, which is ridiculous. It's a ridiculous um, excuse. Uh, actually, just today we're doing some Christmas shopping, and I went to both Walmart and Target today. Like it, it would have been stupid easy for me to compare the price of milk or the price of of baby formula or whatever. And I can tell you, you know, Walmart is is consistently slightly cheaper than than Target. But but it's super it's stupid easy to do that, right? Especially with the advent of internet, you can compare those prices easily using you can compare Amazon to Walmart to Target to all those different ones for a lot of those other goods that may not be bought in store, but but they may be shipped, right? So easy, and that's the best BLS can do with their excuse. I mean, it's ridiculous. They can easily compare. They can many cases they can. Uh, you can compare prices through their suppliers, as this article points out, because a lot of them use the same supplier for a lot of their goods, right? So why is it that they are unwilling to tell us the true rate of inflation? Well, I'll, I'll circle back here in a second to gold and the influence that it have on investors as a whole, their sentiment on gold, on bonds, on everything. But we can start off with this. Quote, this is from this article. Quote, if real inflation figures were reported, the government would have to increase payments to Social Security beneficiaries, uh, food stamp recipients, military and federal civil service, service retirees and survivors, <coughs> excuse me, and children on school lunch programs. Over the past 30 years, the BLS has changed a calculation, talking about the calculation for inflation, at least 20 times. But due to the data, data secrecy, there is no way to audit the results. So maybe for all this talk about the Fed, maybe we should hurry up and audit the BLS while we're at it because it would do us just as much good. It would show the damage that the Fed has been doing over the years. And that finally brings me to shadow stats, which I've, I've mentioned many times in the past, which is another uh, great resource, I think. If nothing else, just to show how um, ridiculous the BLS and their CPI uh, numbers have, have been over the years. Due to those 20... Uh, 20 at least 20 different adjustment adjustments to how they calculate CPI, how they calculate inflation. If you go to shadow stats and you look at CPI over the last, you know, they did this all the way back to the uh, to the early 80s. <clears throat> you know, you can see it in a range between, you know, mostly between zero and five percent, with a few exceptions. But more recently, you see CPI, as I said, 2.2 percent. You know, relatively low. And yet, if you use um, the very same methodology uh, that was used back in the day, according to, to shadow stats at least, you would see inflation actually closer to 10%. And of course, his author says, you know, it might not be 10%. Maybe 5% is more reasonable, right? Which I would agree with. I'm not, I'm not sold on it. But what I do know is that it's much, much higher than what they officially say. In fact, the Fed, <coughs> as I've mentioned a couple times here, excuse me for my cough, just an itchy, dry throat. The Fed actually focuses on even lower rate of inflation. Their personal consumption and consumption expenditure rate, currently 1.6% for October of 2019, right? And so the Fed, who has their, their, um, <laughs> their, their mandate of stable prices, which they, they interpret as 
uh, 2% inflation, which is ridiculous. They have this mandate of, of stable prices, and, and they say that, okay, stable prices, got it. Let's shoot for 2% inflation, right? It's almost, it's almost, it'd almost be humorous if it wasn't so maddening. I mean, if it wouldn't be so frustrating. You know, it's like, if you've ever, this is not the first time I've quoted or brought up this movie in the past in my podcast, but, but if you ever heard of, of when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply of the uh, Monty Python and the Quest for the Holy Grail, right? It's a classic from back in, like, what, the 70s, okay? And there's this scene where there is a king and, and his son, who he's not a huge fan of, is, is sort of effeminate and whatnot and, and into, like, singing and probably poetry. And, and okay, <clears throat> he's to get married, right? And the son is not having it. He's not happy. He's in his room up in a tower in their castle, Okay. And the king's got to do something, right? He's got to go run errands or whatever because the marriage, the wedding's going to be be occurring pretty soon here, and and so he's got a uh, a pair of guards outside, you know, or or inside the room, right next to the door. And he basically says, "Look, nobody gets in. He doesn't get out until I get back." And every single time he explains this to the guard, you know, it's it's, it's hilarious. The guard misinterprets it, right? Okay, nobody gets in. Except for him, he can leave until you get back. You know, those types of just misinterpretations. And, and again, that's almost like what the Fed is doing here. What? Stable prices? Okay, 2%. And I get it. They say it's because they don't want deflation, which is a, a, a ridiculous reason. Deflation is not the worst thing in the world. Just because deflation happened to occur in the past during bad times, maybe like the Great Depression, doesn't mean it's a bad thing. I mean... Uh, something like like deflation rewards savers, right? It punishes those that um, those that are uh, borrowing a high amount of money because it 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 does the opposite of inflating away part of their debt. It basically increases their debt because the dollar amount that they owe is is actually more, right? And so maybe that's why the Fed is doing this. And, and by maybe I mean almost for sure that's the reason. And so to come in full circle here. <clears throat> with this discussion about what's a real rate of inflation, which we can safely say is higher than 2.2 or 1.6%, and the, the the harder the Fed works to push that up to 2%, uh, the, the more the true rate of inflation is going to, to move up. Um, what does this all mean for, for silver and gold? Well, what I can tell you is this. Over the long term, silver and gold will win out. They will. You know, even without inflation, that that's going to be reflected eventually in the price of silver and gold, even if it hasn't been over the last five years. Another thing I should add is that silver and gold will not always perform as the rate of inflation uh, suggests from year to year. Just because inflation's two percent or five percent doesn't mean that silver and gold have to move up at two or five percent that year in in fiat terms. They can move down. They can they can double that. They can triple that, right? Because this is a market that is a uh, well, yes, dictated by, by the paper markets, but it also there's more considerations than just the rate of inflation. But what I can say is that it is ridiculous, it's frustrating 
that the Fed and the Bureau of Labor Statistics and, and the government, and, and this is hardly, again, specific to the United States, it's frustrating that they won't give us the full picture. It's frustrating that they won't admit that they have failed to fight inflation, never mind sparking inflation, they failed to fight it. There's plenty of deflation, which I'll talk about here in a second. There's plenty of deflation in some places, but they failed to ultimately bring it down. It's an inflationary move that is uh, more than anything else um, harmful to to consumers, to the 99%, not the top 1%, but the 99%. I mean, what were those categories I was quoting earlier that moved up way higher than CPI? Uh, you have housing, in medical care, education, right? Those are three different categories that uh, are, are make up a huge amount of, of many middle class and lower class individuals' uh, budget, right? Um, if you're making a million plus a year, uh, five million, ten million, ten billion, whatever, well, a very small amount of your budget is probably going to be allocated to something like education or medical care or whatever. Even if you have top-notch medical care, right, it's still not going to be that much as a percentage of your budget. This disproportionately affects the poor and the middle class. And it, it, it vastly warps traders and investors' perceptions of of what's real. I mean, what what is the real cost of money, right? Uh, so when you see a, a, an interest rate quoted on, or a yield quoted on a fixed income asset of, of 3%, there's a huge difference in what that 3% signifies if inflation is 2.2%, 1.6%, or 5%. For the first two, that is in real terms, a positive yielding, albeit low yielding, but positive yielding asset. If it's 5%, it's negative in real terms. If inflation is 5%, the whole U.S. yield curve is negative. A fair bit of corporate debt, I believe, would probably be negative. Um, The U.S. government would ultimately have to pay more on Social Security. It would have to pay more on a lot of those other benefits that that are cost of living sensitive. And... If inflation was 5%, I can almost guarantee you the U.S. yield curve would not be at 2% or 3%, right? Because uh, it's pretty flat right now. So I just say the whole U.S. yield curve, right? It'd be much higher. Maybe not the short end because of the Fed, but the long end certainly would be, right? Because that's what inflation does. When inflation's 5 or whatever percent, yields in, in theory should move up. And if not, you have to somehow keep those yields low. Um, either it's because of a huge amount of fear on the market because certain banks need them for capital reasons, or most likely the Fed just goes in and buys them all up to keep to keep yields low. Because if inflation was actually, um, um, if the government was honest about the rate of inflation, they'd probably have to pay a lot more on their interest rates, uh, the interest rate on their, their debt. The debt would balloon even faster, right? It's a travesty. Honestly, I, I hope I've driven a point home, I, and, I, and I'm, I'm not beating a dead horse here. Right? It's a travesty that the Fed is the U.S. government or the Australian or the European governments or Canada or whatever had not been honest with us about the true rate of inflation. But we should question it. There's a thousand and one reasons. There's trillions of reasons for why a government would lie, would manipulate the true rate of inflation. 
that they would manipulate what's officially released. And what would this mean for silver and gold? If 5% inflation was publicized, if traders took that as a gospel of truth that they do right now for the CPI and for the PCE, I can guarantee you gold would be so much higher than it is right now. Gold would be, I don't even want to give you guys a number, right? 1,600, 2,000 even sounds pretty lame, all things considered, because of how long this has been going on for and because of how momentous that would be. I mean, imagine, let's say December comes out, uh, CPI number comes out, PCE number comes out. Let's say they say 5%. Let's say all of a sudden the BLS and, and the cronies there have a moment of, of, they have an epiphany and realize, look, we're, we're, the, the average American's getting the short end of this deal. Um, let's be more honest with this. Let's it's, it's try and reflect the true rate of inflation with our new reports. And, and it shocks the markets. 5% inflation in the United States? That's got to be a mistake. But then it continues month after month after month after month. What would be the ramifications of that? Well, first of all, you'd have a ton of investors move out of fixed income and low-yielding assets. Suddenly, the stock market yielding whatever it has yielded over the last five or ten years would look much less attractive. Dividends from these corporations would look much less attractive. Yields likely would rise unless the Fed kept them low. And if they did keep them low, it would be through money printing, which would cause more inflation. And hey, guess what? Who Guess who would be the big beneficiary here? It'd be silver and gold, right? Because all of a sudden, you have cash, which is inflating at 5%. You have a U.S. 10-year, which is inflating at Three percent because of the two percent yield you get on that. Um, guess what? Silver and gold crush both of those assets, right? Sure, other ones would probably perform well. Maybe real estate, certainly probably stocks. Something we said for that, assuming that such a high rate of inflation didn't crash the economy. But silver and gold would be the huge beneficiaries of that. I'm not, I'm not going to give you a dollar number, right? But this is important, and I think it is important that we all understand this, that we all can verbalize this. I think, as I said earlier, um, there is, I think, many people, investors, market analysts, traders, and even just average Joes, um, men and women that pay the bills week in, week out, don't really pay attention to the markets, it's not their cup of tea, whatever. But they realize that you know each month it seems like these things are going up, whether it's their, their internet bill, the the... the um, the the rent they pay, the cost of housing, the cost of, of of food, the cost of education, whatever it's it's consistently rising, and they have less and less after each paycheck. And and I think for many people, many people realize this. I think many people realize that government inflation data is is ridiculous. But I think there's a lot more other people out there that just don't realize. They almost are, are brainwashed that, well, it can't be inflation. It must be something else or it must just be um, because my health insurance has gotten more expensive or something like that. When in reality, this is sort of across the board. Now, I said earlier, I mean, yeah, there is inflation in some places or sorry, deflation. <clears throat> um, the, the BLS is more than happy, I think, to include some consumer goods that are not representative of of some sort of monetary cause of inflation um, and, and have actually deflated in price because of other reasons. So an example of what I'd be talking about is something like flat screen TVs or, or computers or phones. 
uh, as you know, due to economy of scale as well as improvements in technology, the the use of, of less and less uh, expensive components and and even elements, uh, metals like like silver and gold, and some of these, they're still used, guys. I'm not saying they aren't, but they're used maybe in smaller quantities. Uh, because of that, the, the price of these has stayed steady or decreased. I mean, heck, I was talking to somebody the other day that that bought like a a 70 plus inch plasma screen TV or not plasma. They don't even make plasma anymore, but 70 inch flat screen, 70 plus inch flat screen TV. I don't remember the prices on it, but, but tell me what that price would have been 10 years ago, 15 years ago. It would have been thousands. And, and this one was, you know, reasonable, right? You can go out and buy, you can buy like a 40 inch for like what? 150 bucks, 200. I don't know. I haven't bought a TV in a while. <coughs> Same thing goes for phones. And, and the crazy thing is that all along the way, these phones, these computers, these TVs, uh, yes, they've, they've met our requirements, but, but they've done what we need them to do. But they vastly have improved in quality over the years. What a phone does today, the phone that I'm recording this on right now, far exceeds any personal computer from 30 or 40 years ago. Right? The TVs today far exceed any TV from 5 or 10 years ago for the most part, except for the very expensive ones, right? Even that type of deflation, and yeah, there's other deflation as well in, in the financial side of things, right? Deflation uh, maybe due to, to this drowning, this, this crazy amount of debt at the corporate, the consumer, the, the government level, right? That can uh, manifest itself as deflation. But as a whole, for, for who it matters to, um, the, the average consumer, uh, and the rising cost of goods, as well as, I think, maybe more importantly, the falling value of the dollar as reflected by the true rate of inflation. That is the reality we live in today. Never mind what uh, the 1984-esque BLS states, right? I hope many of you guys have, have read that book. I mean, that was very similar, the BLS and their job numbers or whatever. I mean, it, it was it, the book, 1984, is written in... Uh, what 1948 post World War II and post World War II, you know World War II influenced the book I think pretty heavily and so you have these these economic reports of uh, production of of you know insert your your good right whether it's you know cigarettes or or whiskey or or milk or eggs or whatever uh, they they had certain numbers that the uh, that the government would put out in 1984 and. Uh, they were all phony, right? Because they would always rise up, <laughs> despite the fact that that the average individual's uh, standard of living consistently fell, right? The goods they got consistently f- uh, fell in quality, and and the quantity oftentimes would fall. But the government, according to the government, everything was was hunky dory. I think it's a similar case here in the U.S. Now, yes, we have pretty good quality of goods still, because we have a largely capitalistic society or economy. Not entirely, but but. More so than 1984, okay? But I think there's that similar disconnect that people are realizing that their standard of living isn't increasing much unless you consider a nicer smartphone or a nicer TV or a car a higher standard of living, that the amount that they have after each paycheck is, is smaller and smaller. And there's this disconnect because the government tells them that everything's fine, but it's not. The inflation is rearing its ugly head and it will continue to do so I ask for a second as we wrap up here, you know, imagine what inflation is right now at, at 
5%. What is it going to look like a year from now after a year's worth of repo operations by the Fed and QE and money printing? A year's worth of more tariffs if that's still in place a year from now. It's going to likely be much, much higher. And as we move into another recession and you have even more QE, more government spending, more government debt, and, and all the uh, inflation that comes along with that, where's the inflation rate going to be at that point? I think it's only a matter of time before people realize that what the government, and by a matter of time, I'm, this could be years still, but before they realize that what the government says is, is not true, and the government has a, a trillion and one reasons, or 23 trillion reasons, if you don't go by their debt, to, to lie about the true rate of inflation. So I hope that the, today's podcast has been a refreshing, uh, if not frustrating, um, dose of, of truth about where things are at. And, and it should be frustrating for silver and gold owners. I mean, we, could, we, could, we can be happy that the prices continue to remain low. But if the truth about inflation was told, uh, silver and gold would be much, much higher than where they're at right now. And I think for many of us, that would probably be the least of our concern. As always, thank you from the bottom of my heart for tuning in to today's podcast, and God bless.